Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, grab your Bibles with me if you would, please. Turn to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four. Wanna welcome not only those of you here in the sanctuary with us, but also those of you who might be in auditorium too, uh, those that are joining us online by way of television or podcast. We are so glad that you are with us today and uh, excited to take a look at God's word today. You know, we've, we've kind of had a parallel path going um, where we've been working through a series that we called Follow Me, where we were taking a look specifically at Matthew chapters three and four. And then last week was Missions Week. And don't you love it when God lines things up, even when you're not planning for it? Because the last passage we're gonna look at in Matthew four, as we wrap this series up today, goes right in line with our Missions Week. So we're kind of wrapping both up today, both Matthew chapter four and our Missions Week as we look at this. Uh, so we're gonna look at uh, Matthew chapter four, starting verse 18 today. Next, I'm stoked for this. Next week, we're gonna start a new series where we're gonna jump into probably truthfully one of the most influential passages of scripture in all of culture. We're gonna look at the sermon that Jesus taught starting in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I believe that God's gonna give us some really life-changing, even kind of uh, maybe for some of us enlightening look at this scripture and how it impacts our lives. So don't miss as we start this next series in the next few weeks. You know, we've, we've kind of made a, a, a plan that we're gonna preach through the gospel of Matthew. And so we started a few weeks back looking at Jesus' family tree. Anybody remember that? looked at his family tree. Then we took kind of a fresh look at Christmas. Was anybody here for that? Do you remember that a little bit? And then we looked at John the Baptist in Matthew three. We've been looking in Matthew four at the temptation of Jesus. We looked at his healing ministry. We took a look at his first sermon that he preaches. And now we're gonna look at where we've been going all along. Like all of this has been leading up to what we're gonna see starting in verse 18 today, when, here's kind of a spoiler alert, when Jesus finally says to some disciples, follow me, and he calls them to follow him. Look, the reality is you can't read a passage like that and not have a moment where you ask questions about yourself. And am I following Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? So before we go any further, whether you're sitting right here right now or you're taking this message in sometime in the future, would you join me for a quick word of prayer? Heavenly Father, your word is living. It's alive and it's active and it's powerful and it wants to work in our lives. And Father, I believe that today your word wants to stretch us to help us to see you better and serve you more. And so Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, God, do what you want to do, from eliminating distractions to just shining a light on our old souls. God, we, we wanna follow you. So Jesus, we, we give this time to you. Would you speak to us through your word? In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Matthew chapter four, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Now look, I, I, spoiler alert here, maybe you, you might not know this, but for most of us, as I just start talking about Peter, 
and Andrew and Jesus. And we'll talk about James and John in a minute. If you're familiar with the story of the gospels, you've already kind of moved to the spot where you know Jesus is gonna say to them, follow me. That's what's coming as we move through this. But before we even get there, I think there's a couple of important things for us to see just out of this first verse. Because you see that Jesus is, he's, he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees these guys. And as he does, he notices that they're casting a net into the lake. And I think this is interesting because it says four of they were fishermen. Like Matthew's just saying, hey, this is who these guys were. This is where they were. And this is something key to pick up right before we go any further, that Jesus chooses normal people to follow him. Aren't you thankful for that? He doesn't just choose the smartest. He doesn't just choose the best looking. He doesn't just choose the strongest. Jesus chooses normal people. In my case, Jesus chooses abnormal people. Anyone else? He chooses dysfunctional people. Like we could say right here, Jesus chooses all people to follow him. People just like you and me. Like think about it. Peter was a hothead who let his mouth get away from him. Can I get an amen? <laughs> like James and John we're gonna see, they were, they were two brothers who were pretty full of themselves and could be quite judgy at times. Anybody know a Christian like that? Anybody, right? <laughs> right? Jesus chooses normal people. Like the list goes on and on and on. And this is good for us to remember that Jesus chooses normal people like you and me to follow him. Any, anybody watch the funeral of Queen Elizabeth or see any of the highlights this week? Any of you? Did you brew your tea? Put on a fake accent? And watch... Hours of funeral coverage. It really, I, I saw some of the highlights. It really was extraordinary. I mean, if you, if you think about it, she lived an extraordinary life. And we've seen some things about her faith as well and how important her faith in Jesus Christ was. It really is a fascinating thing. And you look at that and you go, what a life she lived. Like, it's extraordinary. And I saw some of the clips, I, I watched a little bit of the sermon, I saw some of the highlights and the regalia, you know, going down the street and all that stuff, and I thought to myself, I sure won't have a funeral like that. Anybody else? <laughs> like, I've performed enough funerals, I've officiated enough memorial services that you start to think about, what do I want at my funeral? To the point that just about every time I say something to some of our staff, okay, here's what I want. This song, this person, do this, do that, this kind of thing. Some of it's a joke, some of it's not. The things that I ask for, they probably won't do. The things I joke about, they probably will, right? <laughs> but I'm not gonna have one like Queen Elizabeth's. It's not gonna be like that. Because she lived an extraordinary life. And sometimes there's a temptation for you and I to say, well, if I didn't live a life like that, then maybe God can't use me. If I'm not extraordinary in a certain way, if I wasn't born in a certain place or with a certain last name, if I don't have certain skills or, or if I don't have the confidence to do certain things or if I haven't had certain education or experiences, we're easy, it's quick for us to go, look, God can't use me because I'm not, I'm not royalty. I'm not spiritually royal. And the reality is Jesus chooses normal people to follow him. In fact, I'll take it one more step. Jesus does not expect you to be who you are not, right? Because what's he say? He says, look, he comes up, these guys are fishing, and uh, he, he's, he's watching them cast their nets because they're fishermen. Like they reinforce the idea that these guys are right where they are doing what they do, and Jesus does not say to them, hey, clean up your nets and go to cemetery. seminary. I said the wrong thing there. Might have fit. What's he say? Follow me right where you are. If you had a chance to be with us for, uh, for any of the missions 
services or meals, if you, if you didn't come to some of the missions things, they always happen with food, amen? That's why I show up. And what was interesting about the group of missionaries that were with us this week, even though they're serving in some top secret locations, is that they weren't these highly trained scholars. They didn't come from spiritual royalty. They were teachers. They were business people. They were people who did accounting and they had healthcare professions. They were stay-at-home parents who heard Jesus say to them, follow me, and they listened. Jesus doesn't expect you to be who you are not. He wants to use you as you are, right where you are. And the excuse that too many of us use is, if only I was this, then God might use me. I can't do that, so I don't think God could ever. And this story is a tremendous example of seeing this point, that Jesus chooses normal people to follow him as disciples, but also to call them to great things from him. And he does it right where you are. In fact, watch this calling, Matthew chapter four, verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said. Remember, it's, 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 it's Andrew, his brother Peter, they're out fishing. Jesus says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus calls them to be fishers of people, which sounds slightly creepy when you say it that way, doesn't it? What does he mean, fishers of people? It's a larger principle. When you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to introduce others to him. If you are a follower of Jesus, when you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to introduce other people to him. And so Jesus uses this fishing analogy because it works for these guys because they're fishermen. It also works for us because we understand the concept that Jesus has called us, if we're gonna follow him, that we should introduce others to him. And fishing takes effort, it takes patience, it takes time. You have to be deliberate to do it. If you're gonna be good at it, it takes some strategy, some insight, maybe even a little bit of recon to know what, what you're doing. But if you'll do that, then you can be effective at reeling others in and helping them to know who Jesus is. So Jesus uses this analogy with them so they'll understand it. And if any place should understand this, shouldn't it be us on the banks of the Maumee? You ever driven over the Maumee Perrysburg Bridge in the spring? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have been down there in your waders waiting to catch fish because you know I'm gonna go where the fish are. I'm gonna be strategic. I'm gonna be deliberate because that's the way that I'm gonna bring them in and introduce that walleye to my kitchen. Can I get an amen? That kind of warps the analogy. Let's, let's, uh, let's change it. Here's the deal. If anybody should understand what God's calling the church to do, shouldn't it be us? He's calling us to actively go to where the fish are and introduce them to the person who can give them life and can give them hope and can change who they are. And Jesus uses this analogy, and I think it's good for us to think about, because here's something good for us to know. The fish won't catch themselves. Like if we're gonna see people come to know Jesus, then we have to introduce them. We have to help them know who he is. We get to show them life change and hope and peace and forgiveness and salvation. And just like someone helped you to know who Jesus is, You've been called where you work, in what you do, 
and maybe even in a way that God is calling you to go in a new way to introduce others to Jesus. The, the fishing analogy is a good one for a lot of us. It certainly was for Peter and Andrew, but maybe, maybe you're not an outdoors person. Maybe you're not a, a fisherman or a fisherwoman. Well, here, here's Jesus wraps up an even bigger picture for us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage of scripture is one that we refer to as the Great Commission. Have you ever heard of that? The Great Commission, why? Because this is when God commissions us to the great task of making sure that the world knows about him, that we've been called to be fishers of people to introduce others to him. And it's not an option, it's not a suggestion, it's a command, it's a commission. And he's calling us to go and make disciples. Why? Because without him, the world is lost. Without him, people don't have salvation, they don't have hope. This is the natural extension of what we read in John three sixteen. We know that verse so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him might not, anybody remember, might not <laughs> perish. Do we want anybody to perish? No, we, we don't want anyone to know an eternity without Jesus. We don't want him to be perished, but instead that through him they might know eternal life and be saved. And the reason we do that is because Jesus called us to do that. Matthew wraps up his gospel. This is the last thing he says to us. We'll, we'll, decades from now, we'll get to this in Matthew 28. And when we look at that, we'll be reminded that Jesus calls us to go and be fishers of people. This matters. It's the heart of God. This is why we take a whole week at Calvary to talk about these things, why we focus on these things, because missions matters. We don't have time to unpack our history as a church, but just if you even just go back to the, to the mid-80s, when Calvary was at a point where people were literally saying, this church will not survive this. There are many who were there at that time that say the only reason that the doors of this church are still open is because the leadership at that time said, no matter what, we will not ignore the commitment we've made to see the gospel go to the nations. God has blessed the church through that. It's at the very heart of who we are as a church. That's how we do missions at Calvary. It matters. We talk about it. Let, let me give it to you just in these three perspectives. One is this. What do we do at Calvary? Well, we are committing to pray. We're committing to pray for our missionaries. Look, if, if you came to any of our events this week, or you've been around missionaries that have been here in the past, you know that oftentimes they hand out what we call a prayer card, usually has a picture of them on it, maybe a little bit of information where they're ministering and details on how you can pray for them and that kind of stuff. And some people like to collect them. If you can get a rookie card, it's worth something about 40 years, right? <laughs> But they're powerful tools because you can put them in, in, in your kitchen. You can put them in your bathroom, you can put them in your car, somewhere where you'll see them so that you can remember to pray for the missionaries. And here's the thing. When you're in Toledo and you're praying for somebody on the other side of the world, sometimes it seems like you're wasting your breath until you hear them talk about the time when they find themselves face to face with an authority who should be kicking them out of a country and instead their eyes are blinded and God allows them to keep moving forward until you hear about the time that they find themselves in a place where someone is literally trying to hurt them. And it seems like God 
makes them invisible, if you will, or sends the right person at just the right time to protect them from the evil that's coming their way. And you know what? What's happening in Latin America and in Africa and in Asia in those moments is that God is responding to save and help those missionaries based on the prayers that somebody's praying in Toledo. And don't think that your prayers don't make a difference because your prayers are the very things that fuel the ministry that those people are doing on the other side of the world. So if you have a missionary that you've connected with in some way, somebody you've met here at Calvary, maybe somebody, you know, prayer cards you have, maybe even from years ago, don't let that thing just collect dust. I've got, a, I've got a collection of four or five that are very meaningful that I have a connection to, and I've got them in a spot in my office so that when I sit in a certain chair, they catch my eye so that I don't forget to pray for those people because it makes a difference in their lives. So who are you praying for and how are you praying for them? Look, parents, grandparents, I think one of the very best things that you can do is to begin at a young age to infuse a heart for missions into your children simply by having a routine of regularly praying for some different people that you have a connection with who are spreading the gospel on the other side of the world. Can I tell you one of the things I've seen in these last two years, maybe this is one of the consequences of our pandemic years, is the fact that it seems like people are more focused on selves today than they've ever been before, true? It's just all about me, my rights, what I have, what I can do. And we hear it over and over again. One of the best exercises you can do to fight that with self is to find a way to pray for someone else and to train up your children and your grandchildren in the value and the power of focusing your spiritual attention somewhere else so that God can bless someone who's not you, true? So if you say, well, I don't have anybody, who, who am I gonna pray for? We have out in the atrium, if you, if you go out in the back of the atrium near the hub, you'll see a table that's there that has these prayer packets that our team has put together. They're an awesome little tool where even based on a family or a part of the world or a missionary, that you can take one of those packets, there's information in there on how you can pray for them, and we're just asking you to commit for the next year that you'll pray for them. Parents, grab one of those and, and pray through those with your kids this year. Take one of those and put it in a place where you'll remember and know that your prayers are making a difference when you pray for our friends around the world who are called to do something to move God's kingdom forward. So, so we're committing to pray. We're also collaborating to give. We're collaborating to give. We believe that part of our role as the church is to supply the resources so that others can be sent so that people will hear about Jesus. How does that work? Well, if you're not familiar with the scripture's teaching on giving, there's a couple of thoughts. The very first thing that the gospels, that the teaching of scripture ask us to do is to tithe. It's an Old Testament concept that we see in the law of Moses, and it's a New Testament concept that we hear directly from the lips of Jesus. And it's this, that 10% of what God gives to us, the first 10% of what God gives to us, we give back to him through the local church. And we'll, we'll talk about this more in the future, but here's, here's how this works. And I don't know that I fully understand it. I just know that that can be a lot of money, that 10%, right, when you look at it. But every time I give it, somehow God's blessings come back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right, we see that at work in our lives. Then, and we believe this, this is the teaching of scripture in particular, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, even over and above that, God asks us to ask him, God, how would you call me to give? Even over and above the tithe, how can I give, and in our context, in our culture, to missions? So that through those gifts, 
that's even over and above the tithe, God can take those gifts and he can use them to move the gospel forward so that other people can hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And we've watched and seen, we're gonna talk to you more about this as, as we go into the next year because God is planning some brand new ideas in our hearts about how we as a church can be even more effective in our giving, in our praying, in our partnership to collaborate with others to see even more people hear about Jesus. And as we get into the new year, you'll hear more about that. What is Missions at Calvary? It's committing to pray, it's collaborating to give, and it's challenging to go. It's challenging others to go. And I wanna encourage you today, if you've never been on a missions trip, that you would consider going on one. What do you mean, Chad? Well, for years, up until kind of travel was halted in the last few years, and then we're picking this up again, and we've started to do this again. We've got a trip going to Nicaragua here in just a, about a week or so. We have taken trips around the world partnering with missionaries so that people can hear the good news of the gospel. Why do we do this? Well, on the one hand, when we come alongside local churches, when we come alongside missionaries, when we come alongside ministries that are serving in other parts of the world, we have the opportunity to help them accomplish things that they can't do on their own, not just financially, but even physically. And so ministries are moved forward by those trips. But I can also tell you that lives are changed by these trips. Like I sat and, and tried to think of it. And so if you're the exception to this, don't, don't tell me until after the third service, okay? But I can't think of anybody I know who ever went on a missions trip and said to me, boy, I wish I hadn't gone. Now they might say, hey, it was tough. Hey, it wasn't easy. Hey, I'm not sure I'd go back. But they've never said, I wish I hadn't gone. Because when you get out of your environment and you put yourself in a different place where God's spirit can speak to you, your life is always changed through those experiences. It's, it's my own conviction that unless you got some kind of really good reason why, everybody should at some point in their lives go on an international trip to see the work that God is doing outside of the world that we live in. They're life-changing, and we've got more coming up in 2023. We're gonna be going to South Africa in 2023. We've got a tentative trip that's in the works to go to Turkey in 2023. We've got some other things that we're waiting on details, both in the States and possibly outside of the United States, that are opportunities for you to go and give some time and serve some people. And if God is nudging you, like this is how this works, right? You might be sitting there right now and going, I wonder, I might, that, that might, I wonder if I should, huh, should I do that? If God is nudging you, eliminate the excuses. I don't think I have the time. Well, trust God that he'll work that out. I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't have the money for it. We have this mindset that the people that go on missions trips are usually ones who can just write a big fat check. And can I tell you this? You have to trust that God will provide I've probably seen more miracles of financial provision for people who were planning to go on missions trips than I've seen anywhere else. Because if it's in God's heart for you to go, he will make a way for you to go. And you might go, well, I'm not sure if it's safe. Look, I'll make to you a commitment as a church. If, if we think that it's risky for us to have a folks from Calvary go on a trip like that, we're gonna pull the plug. We've done it in the past and we would do it again. And some of you go, well, maybe it's just not the right time. And the reality is it might not be. Like this next year might not be when God's knocking on your door and that's, and that's okay. But if it is, 
If you sense that maybe this is the time for you, for you and your spouse, for you and your friend, for, for your life group to go, then don't make excuses. Don't, don't try to eliminate it. Instead, say, God, if you're calling me, will you open those doors? If you wanna know more, if you wanna sign up, just go out to our website, toledocalvary.org slash missions. You can also get there through the Connect tab. I think it might be on the front page, but this is a sure route for you to get there, toledocalvary.org slash missions. And just, just, just ask for some more information. It's real easy there. You can get more information. More information gives you more to pray about it, and more clearly God can direct you through that. Why does it matter? Well, why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we go? I love this quote from John Piper. He says, so you have three possibilities in world missions. You can be a goer, a sender, or disobedient. <laughs> kind of spells it out, doesn't it? The Bible does not assume that everyone goes, but it does assume that the ones who do not go care about goers and support goers and pray for goers. So which one are you? Are you a goer, a sender, or are you disobedient? Because the reality is, based on God's word, those are your, uh, those are your only three options. So I'm, I'm not a big fisherman, but I can give you maybe a little bit of an analogy here. I decided that when I would bring this today, I'd just put a bobber on the end instead of a lure with a hook. You're welcome. Pastor, you're welcome. <laughs> and here's a little analogy. We've been called, if you remember, oh, okay, there it is. We were about to have a healing service. <laughs> the analogy is we've been called to be fishers of men. Let's, let's call that bobber that's on the end there, let's call that the goer. Because God calls some of us to go, to literally be frontline where the fish are. And to be in a place where we swim with them, where we interact with them, where we're in a place where we can introduce them to our friend Jesus and call them to him. And God calls some people, like our friends who were here this week, to be goers. And I don't know who it is, but I've just been really convinced in my heart, even more in my spirit, that for some of you hearing this message today, like that barber, God's calling you to be a goer to maybe even step outside of where you are and take a step of faith and go and serve him in a new way. And as much as that bobber is the goers, <laughs> the rest of that line and this pole and this hand, that's the senders. Because without the rest of this, that bobber's just floating along doing nothing, true? <laughs> like that bobber needs to be connected somewhere. It needs to find support somewhere. Someone who will help at times to even reel in the harvest. And that's what we've been called to do. And here's the reality. My question is, which one are you? Are you a goer? Are, I like that. I might use this every week. Are you a goer? Are you a sender? Remember those, those little videos where the ball would bounce with the words on the screen? I might get on the worship team doing that. Are you a goer? Ascender, or are you disobedient? Because there's no other option. So where are you involved in the thing that's at the very heart of God? In the thing that Jesus called the first disciples to do? 
If he cares so much that we fish for people, what role is he calling you to play? Let me use an, another analogy, if you don't mind. This, this is one that actually, if you were in the 10 o'clock service last week, it, it just came to my mind right at the end of the service when, when we were wrapping up, and, and I didn't use it in the other services, but I liked it, and I, I, thought, it, I, th I thought I might stress it again because, because I think it's helpful. If you ever moved, you, you, ever, you ever help somebody move? where you pack everything up and you load everything up. And, and in the last year, for whatever reason, but based on family, even ourselves, friends, I've, I've probably helped or moved more in the last year collectively than ever before in my life. And you're watching this and it's a powerful thing because you load everything up, you get it in the truck and you just watch when that army of family and friends show up and are there. You ever had a move where it's loaded up, you move it and you unload it and you look at your watch and you go, I can't believe we got it done that quick. You ever had that happen? And you're like, you're so thankful for those people who come alongside to make the moving happen. And then there's always that one guy. There's always that one guy who just moves real slow or is real picky about what they'll carry or they don't help get things out of the way. They're just kind of, in the way, that's my joke. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. And you're watching, everybody's hustling, they're moving, they're just sitting on the steps, or they're just kinda watching, or they're chatting it up. You know what really just kinda makes me not wanna be a pastor, is when they're over and they hover over the box of donuts or pizza, depending on what time of the day it is. Right, and they're there just kind of, yeah, yeah, I like helping people move, you know, this kind of thing. And they're not doing anything. And you just watch and you go, we're all making this happen. And then there's that one guy. Do you know that one guy? Don't be that guy. The last time I helped, some, I helped a friend move and there was a guy there who was that guy and I lost my pastoralness for a moment and I went to him, get out of the way, like that. I didn't apologize, but I did repent, Amen. Because I was right, I was right. But look, here's the truth. Don't be that guy, get moving. We're called to move the kingdom of God forward. And you're either a goer or you're a sender or you're blatantly disobedient to the very heart of God. So which one has he called you to do? Don't be that guy, get moving. Jesus calls them, and then this, Matthew chapter four, let's get back to our story, Matthew chapter four, verse 20. At once, they left their nets and followed him. At once, there was this point where they had to make a decision to follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow him? Well, on the one hand, it means that you choose to surrender your life to him. We'll talk about that more here in just a moment. In the other, it's choosing to say, I'll be a fisher of men. In that passage of scripture, I think that at once throws us off a little bit. Because we get this picture that, it, does, anybody, does anybody believe in love at first sight? Like where you see somebody and you're like, boom, 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 boom. You just like, no. That's the picture we give to this story, that it was follow at first sight. That like Jesus is just kind of strolling down the beach and he makes eye contact with Peter and Andrew and they're like, we shall follow him. <laughs> and when I hear that, I'm intimidated by that because I'm probably not the guy who's gonna drop everything. If you remember, we have four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one of them tell the story a little differently. 
It's almost as if the story of Jesus' life is going through an intersection and you got Matthew on one corner and Mark on the other. You've got Luke over here and John over here. They're all watching the same thing, but they're seeing it from their own perspective. Does that make sense? So they all tell the story the way they saw it. And Matthew's writing for an audience who he makes sure he connects back to their Hebrew roots while Mark's over here writing for a Roman audience because there's things he wants them to know. Each one of them has their own perspective. So when they tell the story, they're all telling the same story, but they tell it from their own perspective because there's things they wanna stress. So sometimes if you wanna get the full picture of what one gospel says, you have to read what all four gospels says about that same, all four, you're with me, right? About that same story. And even sometimes it may seem that they contradict each other because it's in those places that there's things that God wants us to dig in and highlight and understand and see how they reinforce the story of who Jesus is. So when all we read here is Matthew chapter four, verse 20, and it says, at once they left their nets, we, we think it's follow at first sight. We don't think about John chapter one, where it tells us that most likely Andrew, James, and John were all influenced by John the Baptist that it was JB that actually introduced them to Jesus to begin with. And they probably had been listening to him teach. And Andrew even went and got his brother Peter and says, Peter, you gotta meet this guy. We, we forget that that probably happened before this. We also forget that in Luke chapter five, which if we, if we put the chronology of the stories together, the night before this happens, the night before they follow, the night before Jesus calls them, Jesus goes out and he commandeers their boats and he takes their boats out a little bit. And while he sits in their boats, he teaches a crowd on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, probably in Capernaum. And he teaches them because when you're out on the water a little bit and you preach up there, it's like a natural amplification system, right? He wasn't dumb. Jesus was a good sound guy. And so after he was done preaching and teaching in Peter's boat, by the way, he says, hey, fellas, let's go fishing. And when you read Luke chapter five, they have a miraculous catch of fish that blows those boys' mind. And so the next day, when Jesus is walking down the banks of the Sea of Galilee and he knows what just happened and he looks over at them and says, all right, boys, you ready? Come follow me. It wasn't follow at first sight. God has faithfully been investing in their lives and building them so at once they can say, we'll go follow Look, and sometimes we forget that God has been working in our lives all along. He has been putting the pieces of the puzzle together. He has been leading you and working in your life and calling you to follow him. And we can have this tendency to think that when we read this, that at once they left, when actually God has been working all along and now it's just the next step, it's the next part, it's the next piece. Even when you cannot put the whole puzzle together, Allow God to put the next piece in place. Know that he is piecing something together, even when you can't make sense of it all, because he's been building something all along. I've, I've got here this little jigsaw puzzle. I don't know if we zoom in, if you can see this a little bit. It's got the Grand Canyon on there. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's beautiful. You got the scenic vistas and the high lookouts and all the twists and turns, and it's a pretty intricate puzzle here. It says it's got over 500 standard size pieces, which is code for too complicated for Chad. That's <laughs> what that means. And I would, I would look at this picture and go, man, I'd love to put that together. And then I look at these little pieces and I go, 
I don't know if this makes sense. Sometimes it's one piece after the other. And sometimes you just, you find yourself with that one piece in your hand. And you go, I can't, I can't see the whole puzzle yet, but I see this piece and I, th I think I know where it goes. So I'm gonna put it in place and trust that God's gonna help me put the rest of it together. Sometimes we hold on to the pieces of our lives and we won't entrust them to the Lord because we say, God, I won't give it to you until I see the whole puzzle. He says, that ain't how it works. He says, you take the piece that's in your hands right now and you entrust that piece to me and believe that piece by piece, I'll put it all together. Hey, Peter, hey, Andrew, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They could have no idea what that meant. They didn't know that for the next three years, they'd travel all over Israel, Palestine, that, that part of the world, seeing Jesus do mind-blowing miracles. They'd literally see people come back from the dead. They would hear teaching that would go on to change the world. They had no idea about that. They had no idea that he'd be crucified. They couldn't understand the concept of a resurrection. They wouldn't have known what it would have been like to be on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And then from there, these simple fishermen from Galilee got to go see and travel and be a part of taking the gospel literally to all of the known world. They had no idea the puzzle that God was building. It was just Jesus saying, will you trust me with the next piece? Help me for a minute. Because some of you heard that this was a message on missions and said, this is a great time for Facebook because I've heard missions before. So I can buy some things on Amazon while Chad talks. <laughs> but can I tell you, this is about a whole lot more than missions. It's about me asking you, what's the piece of the puzzle that God's asking for in your life right now? What step of obedience? What move forward that he's asking you, even though you can't understand and see the whole thing, to put in place and to trust him? For some of you, you've even wondered about this whole thing with Jesus, and today is a day when the piece of the puzzle you need to put together is just to simply say, God, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your purpose in my life. And so I surrender my life to you. For some of you, what, what today is, is all about is a step of more clear obedience. Because you trust God with your puzzle on Sunday, but you take it back on Monday and you have a great time on Saturday knowing that you can come back and trust it to him again on Sunday. And you're in this cycle where your life isn't moving forward at all because you keep trusting him and taking it back and trusting him and taking it back. And today's the day when God is saying, I'm calling you to follow me with no turning back. And some of you, it's even bigger than that because God has been stirring in your heart that you're not just a sender, you're a goer. Maybe it's for 10 days. Maybe it's for 10 months. Maybe it's for 10 years. But God's calling you to trust him with that next piece of the puzzle. And even though you can't see the rest of it, believing that he'll put the rest together. And the question is, will you trust him with those things in your life.
we need to kind of fast forward and, and finish up the story. So let, let's jump to verse 20. Matthew chapter four, verse 20. Here's what we read, Matthew 4, excuse me, verse 21. Matthew 4, verse 21. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Here's just a little point. If you don't want Jesus to call you, don't fish with your brother, amen? <laughs> Happened to both of them. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately... They left the boat and their father, and they followed him. So we've talked about how we've been called to fish, and we can trust Jesus with the pieces of our puzzle. But now we come to this, it, 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 will you take a step of faith? Because following Jesus, and you see it in this story, you see it in Peter and Andrew's story, following Jesus will mean disruption. It's gonna mean a change in your life. It was for these guys, it will for you too. But can we be honest? We usually say that disruption or change is a bad thing, but does anything good ever happen without change either? <laughs> like it's through disruption that God accomplishes his purposes. It's through change that he works in our lives and something is bound to change and I'd rather entrust that change to Jesus and know that his disruption is moving me to something better and know that following Jesus will come with a cost. What did it cost these guys? In some ways, it costs some family relationships. It certainly costs them money. It costs them status. Did you notice they went from fishermen to unemployed fishermen? Did you notice that? Like that. Because when we follow Jesus, it comes with a cost. If you were with us last week, our guest spoke about the principle that God's God's mission, his kingdom never moves forward without a cost. He said, there isn't a mission of God that doesn't require a cross to carry. There's not a mission of God that does not require a cross to carry. And my natural inclination, yours might not be this because you're spiritual rock stars, but my natural inclination is every time there's a cross, I have an excuse. I don't know about that. And I don't know if I was gonna, and it's gonna cost me too much. I don't know about my family. I don't know, I don't know. And we run through that. And here's the deal. Too many excuses will lead to too many regrets. And at some point, if you ignore the mission of God, I guarantee you, there's gonna come a point in your life, not that God can't still use you, but where you can look back and go, I wonder what else God could have done. That's not a guilt trip. That's just a word of encouragement that when God calls you to take up your cross and trust him, it changes everything. And following Jesus requires taking the next step. That at some point you have to put one foot in front of the other and you have to follow him. Like this, this story's interesting because you've got your boys, uh, James and John, they're in the boat with their dad Zebedee. Isn't Zebedee one of the coolest names in the Bible? I might change my middle name. Chad Zebedee Gilligan, I like it. They're in the boat with dad and Jesus calls them and at some point, they're gonna have to step out of the boat. They're gonna have to pick up one foot, like Karate Kid. They're gonna have to pick up one foot and put it in front of the other and step out and follow him. And trust, because once you step out of that boat, 
It's behind you. You don't know what's ahead of you. We like, we, we prefer if we can be in one place, even if you like change, even if you like excitement, even if you like adventure, what do you really like? Stability. I wanna know that my feet are stable. But if you're gonna take a step, anytime you take a step, at some point, you have to pick up one foot and put it down and trust. Even if you're going up and down the stairs of your house, you have to trust that when that foot comes down, there's gonna be some place for you to stand. You have to trust that when you take that step, when you lift up that foot, when you get to that place, and I'm not taking another one, That God's, God's got you. And sometimes you actually do take a step without knowing where your foot's gonna land. You ever been there? But you say, God, I'm gonna trust you with this for our family. And I'm gonna trust you with this for my job. And God, I'm gonna give you my future. Because my life without you is empty, so I surrender my life to you. And God, this sometimes I follow, sometimes I don't. It's it's. It's wearing me down, so there's no turning back from here. And some of you, God is so clearly speaking to you. And he's not just calling you to be a sender. He's clearly asking you to be a goer. And you have to decide, will will you put one foot in front of the other? And will you take that step? And will you follow him? Because following Jesus not only requires taking the next step, but following Jesus brings life to you and hope to the world. Can I tell you the times in my life when I've probably felt most alive? Outside of moments where God has just blessed and, and great memories with our family, some of the very best moments of my life, the things I look back on, and I treasure are the moments where I put one foot in front of the other and trusted God, and I can tell you, that has not only defined my life, it's the seasons when I've just felt most alive. And when you do that, God uses you to bring hope to the world. In the over 20 years that our family's been able to be a part of what God's doing at Calvary, thank you, because I've been privileged to go and see some things in places that I never would have dreamed of being able to see. I've been to all kinds of countries and I've been on different continents and as soon as they translate the Bible to Penguin, we're going to Antarctica, all right? That'd be cool. I've been able to stand with a pastor just outside of Budapest in Hungary and watch her dream about how God could expand their ministry and Calvary got to help them do it. I watched how we can partner with the church in Albania. And when we do, we give people a decent place to live and we give them a school where kids' lives can be changed and we give them a church where they can meet Jesus. I've been privileged to stand in a dusty field in South Africa and watch people, little kids, have a copy of God's word be put in their hands that they're gonna go back and share with their parents and then they're gonna tell them about the church that's there and then they're gonna go there and generations will be changed because people from Calvary went and played some games and gave people the word of God. I've had the great opportunity to preach in a communist nation in Central America and look out as I was preaching and watch a soldier come with his machine gun because he was just checking up to see if I was where I said I was. 
And I went home and that pastor wondered every Sunday, who's the communist spy in this church who's just waiting for me to stumble so they can send me to prison? I can tell you one of the moments in my life that I'll treasure is when I sat in a house in Southeast Asia and somebody had to stand at the window and watch to make sure none of the neighbors were coming by and there weren't authorities down the road while about 30 people sat on the floor and at the top of their lungs quietly sang praises to Jesus. And then the pastor began to disciple those people. And that underground brand new church was like sitting in a page in the book of Acts. It's one of the most New Testament things I've ever experienced. And it happened because of senders and goers like you who said we've been called to introduce people to Jesus. It's at the very heart of God. So what will you do? Today, Jesus says, will you follow me? Will you be a goer? Will you be a, will you be a sender? Or will you be disobedient? The choice is yours. God says, don't be that guy. But will you follow him? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And look, I, I want to pray. But before we pray, I want to I talk to those of you who are watching this, listening to this, sitting in this building today, and you would say, Chad, what I need more than anything is just to choose to follow Jesus because I've been trying to do it on my own and I can't do it anymore. And I need his forgiveness. And I need his purpose in my life. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I have an emptiness that I know only he can fill. And there's no better time than right now for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I choose to follow you. And when I pray in just a moment, I, I hope from your heart, you will say, Jesus, I follow you. And after the service, we'll have friends who are down here, both of our auditoriums, or you can jump online on littlecalvary.org and find out more. But these folks will be down here. They'd love to pray with you. We have a Bible we wanna give to you. We wanna help you to take those steps to follow Jesus. No better time than today to say, Jesus, I'll follow you. And, and some of you have had this kind of back and forth following and today's the day you say, no turning back. Jesus, I give you my whole life. That wavering commitment, that playing around with sin, that sometimes I follow, sometimes I don't, I'm done. Today, Jesus, I follow you. And some of you have come to the reality today that you're being called to be a sender through how you pray, through how you give, and you don't want to be disobedient. And even right now, God is speaking to you about grab one of those prayer packets, find a way to be involved financially in what God's doing in missions. But who I really want to pray for in these next few moments are those of you that God might be calling in a unique way. And I'm, I'm well aware that there may only be even one that, that responds to this. But I'm confident that God is speaking to some hearts. You may be even a little nervous right now and you go, I, th I think God might be calling me to be a goer. 
Maybe it's to do something new through your occupation. Maybe it's to reach out and share with somebody. Maybe it's to go on one of these trips or even more. Maybe God is calling you to go, to step away from the boats and trust him with that next step. And you're saying to yourself, God, you might be calling me to be a goer, all I'm gonna ask you to do today, I'm not gonna ask you to sign a contract. I'm not gonna ask you to, to, to put your name on a dotted line. I'm just gonna ask you to pray about it. That's the first step. To entrust that puzzle piece of your life to him. And I'd encourage you to do this if you're watching online, to respond some way if you're listening to the podcast. But those of you that are in the room today, if you sense in your heart that God might be calling you to be a goer, and you say, God, I'm willing to pray about going for you. Would you just stand right where you are? You don't, you don't know what the whole puzzle looks like. You don't know what he might be asking, but you just know he's speaking to your heart in this moment. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. This is between you and God. And he's speaking to you in some way. And I'm not asking this to single you out. I'm not asking this to put you in a tough space. I just know that if you can't stand in front of a, a room of people who would cheer you on, it's gonna be hard to go in any other way. If you're saying, God, if you're calling me to be a goer, I will pray about going for you. Would you just stand right where you are? I'll be honest, I've, I've watched some of you shift and be more, I make some of you nervous every Sunday, but some of you have been more nervous than usual. Because <laughs> I know God's speaking to your hearts if he's calling you to be a goer. Anybody else? So Lord, we love you. And we know that your word is alive and that it speaks right to our hearts. And I thank you for my friends who had the courage to stand today and say, God, if you're calling me to go, whether that's for a week or for a lifetime, if you're calling me to a change of some kind, a disruption or a cost, then Lord, I'll follow you so Lord, if you're calling me to go, then right now I, I pray that you would give wisdom and I pray that you would give discernment. And Lord, I pray that you would guide my steps and I pray that you would make your way clear. And Lord, that you would speak to my heart and Lord, that when I entrust that puzzle piece to you, you'd give me the courage to know you'll put it all together. And when I lift that foot to take that next step, that God, I'll believe that you are leading me along the way. And God, believe that when there's moments where we need to pause and wait, you'd help us to wait. And those moments when you're pushing us forward, we know the urgency to move immediately and at once, that God, we would trust you. And Lord, we would know that as you lead us, as you call us, as you work in our lives, we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, to go and do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, may this church be a place where through our lives, through our prayers, through our resource, and through our going, that when we get to the other side of eternity, we will see people who are there who wouldn't be there if you hadn't called us to be goers and senders to do your will. Lord, thanks for your word. As we go from here, would you go with us? Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, can we thank God for his word today?
Can you stand with me if you would, please? As you go today, we've got some friends that'll be available here at the front. If you'd like someone to pray with you, especially if you prayed to give your, your life to Jesus Christ today, stop by, we will buy what we wanna give to you. We'd love to talk to you. Don't miss next Sunday. Excited for what God's gonna do. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.